Um, so I ended up calling the squeeze pack company and I'm like, Hey, look, I know you can't help me out. Throw me a bone. Yeah. Right. What type of equipment do you use? You know, can I find it look close by? Can I find one used? You know, so they, they gave me a few manufacturing, the manufacturers names, found a company in Jersey. They had an old machine that in the eighties did ironically, um, hair conditioner samples that you got in the Sunday paper. Oh, freaking right. Whoa. And, and remember that you open the Sunday paper and boom, there'd be like a squeeze pack or something. Yeah. Are you too young? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I want to say yes, but I think the reality is no. Ask your parents about it. Hey everybody, gobble, 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 happy belated Thanksgiving. I wish a very warm start to one and all this holiday season. I am your host, I am Ted King, and welcome to a festive episode of King of the Ride podcast. Now I'm recording this introduction right here in the same spot where I recorded this episode itself, and that is Boulder, Colorado. My beautiful wife, Laura, and I tied the knot here the weekend prior to Thanksgiving just one year ago. So in addition to celebrating our one-year anniversary, I have some extended close family here in Boulder. Lots of friends call Boulder home, so it's always a very special homecoming reunion to get back to town. Weather has been great. A fresh layer of snow arrived just a week ago, making for some nice tacky and enjoyable riding. We've set out with a few friends on some gravel rides, some mountain bike rides, a couple hikes, and the annual pilgrimage of Flagstaff Mountain, of course. I got some turns in with, on the ski slopes with my very good friend and former teammate, Timmy Duggan, just the other day, and another day on the slopes is in the forecast today, so I'll keep this introduction short for the benefit of precious time on the slopes. Therefore, jumping right in, our guest, Justin Gold. The model archetype boulder success story, going from making his own food to then selling it at the local farmer's market to the nearby Whole Foods and now in virtually every grocery store in America. What is there to say about Justin that hasn't been said already? For those who don't know, Justin is the founder of Justin's Nut Butter. And again, just make your way into any grocery store in America and he has that beautiful iconic white jar with his name inscribed in cursive across the front. For those of you who are in the know, of course, you're familiar with Justin as the peanut almond, and now cashew butter boutique baron of the world. With a mission stating, making the foods we love extraordinary with an uncompromised spirit of innovation, sustainability, and community, Justin has literally built the category of individual squeeze packs of nut butters, which is now booming. And this might all ring a bell because I had the idea a handful of years ago of putting maple syrup into individual packages. And with my partners, we co-founded Untapped back in 2013. So over the past nearly 20 years in the existence of the the evolution of Justin's Nut Butters, Justin has built the kind of company that we at Untapped certainly aspire towards. With an admirable set of ethos, he's built a terrific team around him and a very simple sense of enjoyment for this world. I read a quote in an interview that Justin did a short while back, which he said, My goal for the next three years is to double our business, to create new products, try new things, to fail fast, and to have fun. And I absolutely love that final bit. Fail fast, have fun. The ability to pivot, the ability to change, the ability to adapt, that is really what shows Justin's entrepreneurial spirit. You're going to hear that a lot in this interview. And I mean, the guy howls. He literally howls. You're going to have to wait until you get to the very end of the interview to catch it. But man, Justin has a good time. 
He and I have been buddies for a handful of years now. We've shared some good times, some good bike rides, some trips. And it is with that love of the bike and his success story in entrepreneurialism. And I, again, do mean that scrappy, hardworking, diligent, pivot pivoting style of entrepreneurialism. I knew that I had to have sit down with Justin and record this convo. So with that, please know that I do read your comments. I personally read your reviews. It means so much to me to see them continue to tick in. So please keep that up. Keep sending those questions, those comments my way. Just hit subscribe button in whatever podcast player you're listening to. Tell your friends, tell your family if you think they might like what we are doing here at King of the Ride. Folks, that is it for now. Next up, conversation with Justin Gold. Justin Gold, thank you very much for taking the time to be here. We are we're on the eve of Thanksgiving, which means one thing in the in the Gold household, which is a sweet Thanksgiving party, which I'm very excited to attend. How many years <laughs> have you been hosting the Gold Thanksgiving Friendsgiving shenanigans? I think this is our third annual. Yes, that means I've attended every single one. Really? Have you? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I've been to two. And I'm pretty stoked for tonight. So, by my math, I think oh, that's... this would be our fourth. Oh. Yeah. Darn it. Yeah. Well, 75% is pretty decent. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, we're, we're hanging out here in HQ of Justin's, the eponymous nut butter company, um, coming from a cycling background. Now, now, many people know of Justin's nut butter because, because people are trending towards real foods and that's that's sort of the ethos of your company here but those who don't know if i talk about justin's nut butter they think it is a chamois cream company <laughs> those in the know and like you know, the, all the cyclists uh-huh. yeah but it must be very confusing for you pro cyclists i know it is especially when you go to <laughs> you go to events you go to promos um You'll come away with with swag items, um, often individual energy packs or individual maple syrup packs, those sorts of things. Real foods like Justin's and then every once in a while, chamois cream. So, um, I mean, I think I, I want to delve into the, the story that you've probably told a million times, but a good story that has been told a million times need to be told again. Your original packaging of putting nut butter into an individual packet was not like you invented the category. So it's not like you could go to your local packaging store and say, Hey, I need your, your best package for nut butter. Explore that story a little bit. Tell me about opening or putting the first bit of nut butter into an individual squeeze packet. Yeah. So it's, it's fascinating. And I got, I got really lucky because I still to this day can't believe that, you know, we were the first company to literally put peanut butter, almond butter into a squeeze pack, market it and sell it as an individual product and literally created a whole subcategory of nut butters that all sold in squeeze packs. And how it started was, let's start from the very beginning. Way, way back. Let's do it. So I grew up in Western PA. I was going to um, to a small college in Central PA, financial aid, in-state tuition, all that fun stuff. And I was really excited about my environmental studies. And I really wanted to find a career where I could have the largest impact on protecting our natural resources and our natural environment. And one of the things that really intrigued me was law. Mm -hmm. Because I really feel like that through law, we can create 
legislation or we can protect legislation and we can do a lot of good. So my senior year, I'm interning for an environmental nonprofit law organization out of Harrisburg while I'm studying while I'm studying environmental policy. And I'm really excited because I'm preparing for the LSATs and I had law school in, ahead of my future. And, you know, even like parents and grandparents are like, oh, I'm, I'm so proud of my son. He wants to be a lawyer. That's a blah, blah, blah. And uh, and I interned for this law firm and I didn't love it. It like it was just it people it, they do great work it's a very honorable profession but i i wasn't passionate about the work and it was like the rug was swept out from under me i didn't know what i wanted to do so i graduated with a degree in environmental policy and then i moved as far away from pennsylvania as i could to gain, gain new perspective and i moved to um to northern california cuz i kind of thought i was a city guy so i i was living in san francisco for about a year waiting tables, working in restaurants. And then I realized that I'm just not a city guy. I really need nature. And so the goal was to move to, to a community where there was a college town where I could uh, gain residency and go back to school and then follow my passion along some educational field. So I moved to Boulder, Colorado because of CU Boulder and Boulder's close to the mountains. And I had a friend who went to CU grad school and loved it, thought I would love it. So I moved here to kind of check it out. And and I could reverse engineer it. When What's the year? 2001. That's when you moved to Boulder? Yeah. Wow. Got it. So I'm, I'm living in Boulder. I'm waiting tables. I'm working in restaurants. I'm, I'm a vegetarian. You're the perfect prototypical Boulder guy. <laughs> too, long too, hair then? Very, yeah. Long hair, active, uh-huh. tie-dyes, uh-huh. Birkenstocks. What else do I need? Right on. Nothing. <laughs> you need to start a food company. <laughs> so so I'm, I don't have Birkenstocks, by the way. <laughs> and so anyway, I am... Uh, uh, I'm just super active and I'm a big mountain biker and I'm trail running and I'm skiing in the winters backcountry and, and I'm, I'm on a mountain bike ride and this is in, uh, let me back up. So I'm, I'm super active living in Boulder, vegetarian, and I'm eating a ton of peanut butter and almond butter for protein and that you're making yourself. No, I'm just buying just in stores. It. Right on. And I was, which at that point there are, there's peanut butter, there's almond butter. I mean, that's not the modern day uh, hassle of 400 op- options for, for nut butter. Is that right? Like- oh, it, it was insane. There was literally Jif Skippy store brand peanut butter. Yeah. And then there was, you know, one or two, you know, store brand generic peanut butter natural and almond butter natural. Sure. And that was about it. And so I'm buying these nut butters and I was just really confused and curious. Why is there all these different varieties of jam, jelly, preserves. I still don't know the difference between the three <laughs> and, and mustards and mayonnaise and all these different flavors and, 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 and combinations. But when it came to peanut butter and almond butter, there was just one, right? There, actually, there's two. I take that back, Ted. There was smooth and crunchy. Oh, delicious. Yeah, right. Yeah, that was yeah, the whole, yeah. the whole variety I'm scope there. So anyway, so I'm at home and I'm mixing honey with my peanut butter. I'm mixing strawberry jam with my peanut butter and then almond butter and then cashew butter. And, and I'm like, wow, these are really delicious. Why isn't anyone flavoring nut butters? And I'm like, you can grind your own in a store. How hard can it be to make it? So I start grinding my own with a food processor. And the first thing I had to nail was peanut butter and banana, right? Who doesn't right, love right, a peanut right. butter banana sandwich? And so, so we're, um, also, so I just got sidetracked. So at your, um, <laughs> <laughs> At your race last year, man. Yeah. Um, we on one of the aid stations, they had a yes. 
almond butter, banana. It was a maple almond, banana, bacon, uh-huh. grilled sandwich. Uh-huh. And I'm a vegetarian. Yeah. And I took a bite. Oh, out of boy. Dude, it was so good. Nice. So, yeah. <laughs> for those not in the know, that is the, that's a good shout out to the King Challenge. <laughs> Justin and family came out from Colorado. And yeah, you guys have been a great supporter of the ride for a handful of years. And our chefs at the uh, at the aid stations, they definitely they put some creativity in there. How did how did it go down? How did it go down? Meaning like, the, the bacon getting back peanut on butter the bike, yeah, and riding for yeah. two hours or whatever fueled the rest of your day. <laughs> it was amazing, dude. But it, it was, hasn't inspired a further flavor coming from Justin's. Uh, to be continued. Okay, so here I am um, figuring out that it's really easy to make peanut butter at home. You know. Food processor, peanut butter and banana. Can I do it? So I have a food processor. I'm grinding up peanuts. It's really easy to make. You put in the food processor, you turn it on, and you wait, I don't know, 45 seconds, and shazam. It's Total like, generic food processor. Yeah. It's not a nut grinder. No. <laughs> it's crazy. Okay. So then, so then I'm adding fresh banana, dried banana, dehydrated banana, banana syrup, banana flavor, all these different banana things that I get at the store. And I'm putting them in the cupboard and I'm numbering them in these little jars. Then I try fresh strawberries and dried strawberries and honey and honey powder. And, and I'm making all these different concoctions across peanut and almond butter and cashew. And I'm putting them in the cupboard and I'm numbering them all, numbering them all and my roommates start stealing them and eating them. Yeah. And because they're curious, like, what the heck is this guy up to? And I had three roommates at the time. Four, so four of us living together. And it, so at one point, I ended up, the ones I ended up really liking ended up putting Justin's, you know, do not eat on <laughs> yeah, the jars, yeah, yeah, yeah. literally. And then eventually someone's like, man, some of these are really good. Some of these are really bad. But some of these are, because it turns out when you put fresh banana and mix it with peanut butter and you give it like a week or two, sure. it doesn't turn out it very good. It starts to go a little bit rancid. And exactly. And water and oil don't mix so you have water activity from the banana you have hmm. oil from the peanut butter noted and they don't want to they don't want to stay together very well yeah just gross yeah gross stuff so anyway so uh so one of the roommates is like man these are really awesome you ever thought about selling these and i didn't know anything about business or really about food manufacturing and so i you know it's like you know what i'm waiting tables i'm looking for something to do i don't want to be doing this forever this would really be fun you waiting any tables of restaurants that still exist no, they both closed. Okay. One was uh, the Oak yeah. in Boulder, and yeah. the other one used, was, used to be 14th Street Bar and Grill, and the other one was called Triana, which is now uh, The Kitchen. Oh, nice. Another great restaurant. Good spots, yeah. both of them. And so, but what was really interesting was being right out of college, about a year out, I was really thirsty for you know th- for academia, so I went to the CU's Business School's library, right, and which is open to the public, <laughs> and just started researching how to write a business plan. Okay. And as I'm writing the business plan... I'm really enjoying it because it's like being immersed back in school again. And I'm writing the business plan and I'm literally, I'll never forget, stumped on the first section, right? First section. That's not making it very far. The first section of how to write a business plan. So what type of business entity do you want to be? Okay. You know, do you want to be a... uh, an S corp, a C corp, yeah. an LLC, LLC, a sole proprietorship, yeah. a partnership, you know, what's the difference? Uh-huh. Who cares? <laughs> right. There's a very important reason sure. from a tax, you know, tax perspective and an ownership perspective and an investor perspective. Yeah. But I, I just want to get started. Yeah. So then I'm like, well, I wonder if there's anyone in Colorado, Boulder perhaps, who has a food company and I can ask them what they did and just bypass this whole first step. And yeah. is Boulder 2001 the same? hotbed for for food that it is now it's no but it's developing okay and but in 2001 it 
You know what? I take that back, Ted. It was the hot scene that it is today because in 2001, there were brands in Boulder, Colorado, like Celestial Seasonings, White Wave, which is the makers of Silk, mm-hmm. right? And um, Rudy's Organic Bread, Horizon Organic Dairy, Wild Oats, which was, which was a national natural grocer at the time. It was bought by Whole Foods. You had Izzy Soda. You had Choco Love that was just getting started. You had Boulder Chips, all here in this little town. So I started to meet local professionals and learn, you know, okay, well, you know, where do you get a UPC? How do you get USDA organic? Yeah. How do you find a food safe kitchen facility? Where do you buy jars? Where do you buy peanuts? How do you get into Whole Foods? How do you find a distributor? How, what trade shows do you need to go to? I started to learn all of this. And is everybody pretty open to to share their knowledge, share their expertise? Are they too busy? Are they trying to be, you know, protective of it? Yeah, and that's what's so special about Boulder is is everyone here is extremely collaborative and everybody wants everybody to succeed. You know, and the industry's like that too. Which is awesome. I mean, we're we're what? Currently sipping some kombucha. Local, local kombucha. Local kombucha, no doubt. I mean, what's the name of it? Local kombucha. <laughs> <laughs> says it on the tap. I just got it. I forget what it said. Uh and surrounded by we're in the, the Justin's kitchen, which is just uh we may as well be sampling the aisles of whole foods right now um which is awesome because i came here a little bit peckish and, and now i'm sated in my my hunger and thirst uh yeah that that community um is certainly something that you've shared as as you've gained uh success in this industry and you try, tried to share that with me and i know that it's a decent portion of what you do these days is is speak on behalf of what you've learned uh fast forward through a whole bunch of stuff you're, you're, you're gaining prominence. You're putting nut butter into, into at this point, jars. Or are you at that point trying to, to put it into squeeze packs? So I'm in jars. I'm at the farmer's market. I've sold into a bunch of stores locally. So and, you have figured out UPCs. You figured out yep, distribution. And, and, and I'm, 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 it was, I couldn't get into a distributor because we didn't have enough volume, enough sell-through. So I'm literally delivering to stores through the back, back warehouse stocking my own shelves, sticking around, doing demos, literally like I'm a full service machine. I'm still waiting tables, you know, no girlfriend, no dog, just work, work, work. And I'm loving every moment of it because it's my own and it's creative and it's interesting. Is it sustainable? Are you uh, making money, losing money? No. And that's where rubber, that's where the rubber is hitting the road. So now I'm four years in farmer's market and I'm pretty much break even but I'm not paying myself anything. Yeah. I have three employees and I'm paying them minimum wage practically. And I'm not paying myself. I'm working for free and I'm still, you know, working full time waiting tables. And I didn't realize it, but I knew that this wasn't going to work long term. It just couldn't. And so serendipitously, I'm on a mountain bike ride and, uh, and I'm eating an energy gel. I don't know which one, but it was an energy gel and I'm taking a break and I'm, and I'm like, man, this is a great product, right? I get it, but it's not what I want right now. Right now, I want protein in a squeeze pack. Why isn't anybody putting something like peanut butter into a squeeze pack? Coming from a guy who has a that's nut a, and almond butter company. That's a really interesting idea. Wait, whoa. Why isn't anybody doing that? It's so silly. So immediately, I'm inspired. I, I you know, I, I get back. I'm, I'm on the, the interwebs, you know, searching for, for answers. And it turns out at the time, this is now 2000 and 
five. And it turns out at the time, there are two companies in the US that do squeeze packs for virtually everyone. Mm-hmm. They do, you name it, salad dressing, ketchup, mustard, mayonnaise, honey, um, jam, jelly, all of it, right? They Two companies. I call up the first company. I'm like, hi there, my name's Justin. I got this you know, idea. I want to do squeeze packs um, with my products. Could you guys make a squeeze pack for me? And they're like, they're like, yeah, we can make you a squeeze pack. No squeeze pack is too big or too small. We're your company. What are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, I'm doing peanut butter and almond butter. And I'm really, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop right there. Can't help you. No kidding. And I'm like, what do you mean you can't help me? They're like, sorry, but you know. And then I call, call the next company. Same exact conversation. Same exact result. Yeah. Sorry, can't help you. you any ideas why? Uh, I'm thinking cross-contamination. I'm thinking uh, uh, the nut allergies, and I'm thinking, I don't know, the dangers of, like, we're currently in a romaine outbreak right now. <laughs> I don't know. Bingo, dude. It was cross-contamination of a, of a known allergen yeah. across lines that go to multiple products to multiple customers. They'd have to disclose on all those packages yeah. that's you know, shared on and oh, shared yeah, equipment yeah, 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 with, yeah, yeah. and they didn't want to upset all their business because mm-hmm. no one had ever asked for it. This before. shampoo is cross-contaminated with almond butter. You name it. That's that's crazy. And so I was um, at first I was pretty devastated, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. That's why the world doesn't have peanut butter almond butter squeeze packs, yeah. and it can't be done. And I'm like, and then for like a day I was depressed, and then the next day I was like, I was like, <laughs> I just keep riding with my jars. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. If I could get my own squeeze pack machine, I'd have no competition. Yeah. This could be the breakthrough product that kind of, you know, carries the company. And I, and I really felt that strong about it. And at that point, I was able to convince my roommate's parents to loan me $75,000. Um, so I ended up calling one the squeeze pack company and I'm like, hey, look, I know you can't help me out. Throw me a bone. Yeah. Right? What type of equipment do you use? You know? Can I find it look close by? Can I find one used? You know, so they, they gave me a few manufacturing few manufacturers' names. Found a company in Jersey. They had an old machine that in the 80s did, ironically, um, hair conditioner samples that you got in the Sunday paper. Oh, freaking right. Whoa. And, and remember that? You open the Sunday paper and boom, there'd be like a squeeze pack of something. Yeah. Are you too young? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I want to say yes, but I think the reality is no. Ask your parents about All it. All right. So anyway... So they they have this machine. It's uh, it's I don't know, thirty years old, and I I was they they might be able to buy it. these machines cost hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars for the sophisticated ones. Yeah, and you know, a new machine was two hundred fifty thousand dollars. They sell me, sell me a machine for thirty five grand. How big is it? It's as big as a Volkswagen Beetle. It's big oh, as a car. Man, right? It comes out here freight. Yeah, I have to. I find a kitchen for it. I have to wire it in three phase, sixty amps. Does it, it come with an instruction manual? No, none of that, dude. It's Good like Lord. it's insane. This thing's old. Yeah. Um, and then they sent out a technician to help me run it. It takes me a year to figure out how to retrofit this thing to run what I needed to run, and to push peanut butter through a tiny little tube mm-hmm. takes a lot of pressure, mm-hmm. right? Uh, pressure being like air. We, we had these pistons that were pushing it through. So anyway, long story short, it takes me a year to figure it out and and we launch it. And we, we created everything. We created, you know, what do we call it? What's the net weight? Um, how much do we sell it for? What, what, what do we communicate in the packaging? Need and squeeze was mm-hmm. our trademark, our tagline, whatever. And, and I'm so excited. A year goes by. It's now 2007-ish. And I'm psyched. Like, you know, 
all our hard work is turned into this product. So I'm, I'm, I'm delivering the Whole Foods and Wild Oats here locally and, and not Vitamin Cottage and, and Lucky's, you name it. And I'm friends with everyone there. And I'm like, hey, can I put this? And to me, it was an energy gel. It was a protein play. Yeah. And so I had these big cases that I put them in that were reminiscent of like a Cliff Bar case, Laura Bar case. So and I had like, reach a handful. Yeah, and I had like 20 packs in there, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And the idea was I'd sell them in the energy bar section. So I, I, I tested three stores here locally because I was kind of testing you know, pricing and things. And, and I, and I convinced the buyers to have me deliver them and put them in the energy bar section. And I was so excited and so pumped. And then weeks go by and they're not, they're not moving. No one's buying them. And one of these, one of the store, um, managers comes up and is like, Hey man, you know, uh, you might want to come pick these up because we're going to put something else there and give it a chance because, you know, we're here to make money and sell product, not just put things, you know, places that aren't going to move. Novel. Yep. And I was, I was bummed. I was really, really bummed. And so rather than just kind of give up, I, I all right, well, why aren't people buying these? I know these, this is a really great idea. So I'm watching people and I'm watching the way they shop and I'm standing there on the aisle and never forget watching people shop the bar set. And and I know you know this, but I didn't realize it at the time. I'm, I was 25 probably. But when people go shopping, they're in a rush. You know, they have a list. Yeah. If you're not on the list, you're not in the cart. If you're on the list and you're next to something they're probably going to buy, they might, and you're on sale, they might try it. When you get to the bar set, it's lights out. I mean, there's a whole row of bars. It's a sea of bars. If you don't know exactly what you're looking for. You don't have time to investigate everything. And if you see something you don't, you don't, you've never seen before, let alone in a format like a squeeze pack you're not accustomed to, you ignore it. 100%. And, and it was just getting ignored. Nobody knew what it was. You might be experiencing a little bit of this today. And so what was fascinating, which is what, I, what we did, which hadn't been done before, was, all right, well, okay, I get it. People don't know what it is. They're ignoring it. So what if we, instead of selling it in this big tray, Let's put it in a little caddy, a little box, and let's stand it up so it's the same footprint as a jar of peanut butter, which we're already selling in the store. And let's put it right next to the jar, and that way people automatically know what it is. It doesn't have to be energy and protein. It's just a squeeze pack of peanut butter. Use it for whatever you want, you know? And what's fascinating is it worked. No kidding. And almost overnight, um, it started to sell really well. Right. And what's fascinating is I learned a lot. First thing I learned was uh, the number three reason of buying the products turned out to be portable protein. That was my number reason. Number one reason to even yeah. create it. Yep. The number two reason why people bought it was for portion control. Mm -hmm. You know, I never thought about you. Know, there's a whole segment of people out there who don't want to buy a jar because they'll eat too much. Are you learning this through running surveys or, or, just general understanding of how people are doing it or doing demos and, yeah, and talking yeah, to people yeah. and, you know, Hey, why are you buying this? What are you using it for? You know, have you tried it before? Things like that. Just, it's, it's all, um, it's anecdotal. Heck of a lot easier to, to sample too, as you're oh. doing events, instead of being like, Hey, you put your spoon in this jar. And then and you nailed it. The number one re reason why people were buying it was it was a trowel size yeah. for something bigger. For instance, <laughs> someone sees almond butter. They're yeah. like, Whoa, I've, you know, I've always wanted to try almond butter, but it's, you know, around $10. And if I buy it and don't like it, I'm stuck with it. Yeah. You know, that's not, that's not going to be good, but Oh wait, a squeeze pack for less than a dollar. Let me sure. try that. That's really good. You know what? I want to buy a jar, but I really like this brand. So I'm going to buy that jar. Yep, yep. And then all of a sudden, you know, we can, I'd like to say take credit for it, but we're not that good. But, you know, all of a sudden almonds, you know, that, that whole category started to grow. 
and almond butter became, you know, was really on trend. And then, you know, we had this great vehicle that we could sample and Starbucks picked it up and put it in their, um, their lunch plate and their protein bistro box. And then all of a sudden, you know, people were getting to try our squeeze packs, you know, and all these Starbucks. And then it was just really, really awesome to watch an idea kind of evolve and change and pivot and really had to find where it belonged. Yeah. And, um, and we had to, we had to listen and we had to be patient and we had to, um, to try a lot of things to really figure it out. Yeah. So naturally as an entrepreneur, you're going to be met with a lot of no's. And I think having known you for five years now, I was actually scrolling through my phone and I saw, (laughs) I saw the photo that we took. It was a selfie from when I first visited the office in April of 2013. Oh, wow. Yeah. Crazy. When I reached out to you because I was like, man, you guys make amazing nut butter. Oh, you're in Boulder. Oh, I got to meet this guy. And lo and behold, I walked away with a whole bunch of... Uh, that's not my point. My point is, as an entrepreneur, you're, you're met with a lot of no's, be it the original packaging company, um, be it uh, the person in, in Whole Foods saying, hey, you know what? We got to get this out of here. You're not selling... You are a naturally upbeat, positive guy who initially at the age of 21 thought he was going to go to law school. Like, do you think your, your attitude predestined you to have this sort of entrepreneurial spirit? Um, could you have pictured yourself as a 21 year old going after something as wild as putting nut butter into individual packets and in, in jars? It's interesting. You know, I, um, you have pivoted so well to be where you are. Well, it, it's funny. Like I, um, I speak a lot at entrepreneurship classes at CU. Yeah. And I love being in, a, in an academic uh, town and environment. And and so I'll speak at these entrepreneurship classes. And you know what's, what's totally crazy is you can't teach entrepreneurship. Yeah. You can teach someone how to be a successful business person by understanding, you know, go-to-market strategies and SWOT analysis and reading a P&L and a balance sheet and blah, blah, blah. But to be an entrepreneur takes something you can't teach. It takes guts. It takes grit. It takes perseverance. It takes all these things that you can't teach in school. You can give someone all the tools to be a successful business person. But to be an entrepreneur, it takes a little something different. And some of it is a little craziness. Some of it's a little quirkiness. And, um, and you know, it's so crazy. I... I never thought that this is something that I would be doing, but once you start doing it, you can't ever figure out what else you would possibly be doing. And it just feels, it feels really good. And and what I love about entrepreneurship, it's less about being a business person and more about solving a problem. And so the way I look at new products, for instance, isn't, you know, what's the size of the category? And if we capture a certain yeah. percentage of that market, then we can, you know, extrapolate our numbers and we can be this size of a business by drilling down, yeah, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. But what's, that's, and that's what business people will do. But what the entrepreneur does is they go, man, this is a problem. How can we fix it? Can we fix it with a product, with a service? And they go after the problem. And the ones that stick around, and here's where it gets really crazy is you can be a really talented, um, highly intelligent entrepreneur who develops an incredible business solution, or let's just say solution to a problem, and the world isn't ready for it. The timing isn't right in the market. Sure, everyone's on low fat, and you got this, yeah. you know, high fat product, and everyone realizes in twenty years that whoa, low fat's bad, high fat's good, but 
you're bankrupt by then. Mm -hmm. And that's where things have to align with, with luck, you know? And a lot of times you may have all these things, but you launch a product too late because everyone else is already doing it. And you're now you're a me too item. And so there's all these things that have to happen. And, uh, and I feel very fortunate. Yeah. Well, as imita uh, imitation is the greatest form of flattery and you go to the, the nut butter aisle. Now there's a dozen people chomping at your heels putting individual packets out there, putting flavors out there, like literally copying exactly what you've done. How do you, how do you remain relevant? I mean, it's, it's been like the, the, the peanut butter chocolate cups are absolutely delicious. The different sizes of them, depending on the season are great. Is it that, is it always, you know, reaching the mandate of having an incredible product and, and just letting the product speak for itself? How do you, how do you remain relevant? So we're that that's in a busy category. We're we're um we're figuring that that out as we go, right? First of all, let's just let's just admit that brands have a life cycle. Some brands have a longer life cycle than others, right? Blockbuster video gone. You know, Sears on its way out. So, how long is a brand relevant to a consumer? Is it a generation? Is it two generations? And so eventually brand has a life cycle. So with that said, you know, my, I would love nothing more than this brand to be around for as, as long as it makes sense. Now, where I think where we can connect is number one is always innovating and doing fun, interesting things and solving problems. Number two is being a safe, reliable food product. You know, you have any safety issues, People are going to, or quality issues, people are going to stop trusting their brand. And lastly, you have to stand for something, you know, and we, we stand for sustainably smart sourced ingredients. You know, we're, we're converting everything to organic. Everything already is non-GMO. We do a lot of work with our community and with Pine Ridge and hunger relief and bee pollinators. And you got to have purpose and hopefully that your consumers really value that. And the best thing that could happen for my brand is either we become this, you know, 100% organic, raw, sprouted, you know, amazing product. Cause that's where I want the world to go. Yeah. Yeah. Or somebody beats us to it. And if a better company beats us to where we think we should go and gets there sooner, cause that's what consumers want, then they deserve to win. Yeah. And so I just really hope that consumers continue to demand, you know, high quality, organic, sustainable products, cause that's what we're going to keep doing. And hopefully, we just are in tune with our consumers. But at some point, I think, you know, our kids or grandkids are going to grow up and say, we want products that are different, that call to our generation for whatever reasons. And, uh, and I'm not okay with that yet, mm -hmm. <laughs> like I, but I got to learn yeah, to be, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's inevitable. Well, when you first came to market, I've, I have read interviews with you that you say you don't have IP on it. So what you had to do is you purely had to be the first market to be well-known, to be recognized to, so that people would see you before they saw somebody else. And, and sort of compounding that, what I think is really cool and unique about your brand is it's eponymous with you. Like it is Justin's. It's not called Boulder, Boulder, peanut butter, Thank nut you. butter. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so these are values that you hold before, during, and after the, the length of this company. Um, I mean, how, I guess, explore that. How do you think being the eponymous of the brand has been uh, a unique position for you guys to be in? And do you think, you know, how long, how long is this cycle? Are you going to be, are you, are you president of this company for perpetuity? Do you yeah. want to? Yeah. You know, I'm so proud of it. 
I um, I take a lot of pride in, in in the product and in the brand. It's it's a total blessing, you know. It's uh, it's so fascinating. So the um, <clears throat> let me think. How do I tackle this? So what's really neat about it is it gives the brand this authenticity. It gives it this humbleness, this personality that you know a Boulder nut butter will never embody because Justin's a real person. And when you find out who the Justin is, you kind of start to realize, wow, this brand is a manifestation of this guy. All the all the things that the brand stands for is what Justin really cares about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it makes it really easy and it makes it really fun and it makes it a dream job. I don't have to pretend to be Betty Crocker, who's a fi- <laughs> who's a fictitious, you know. Um, is she? Yeah. Betty oh Crocker gosh. is a fictitious, uh, what do you call it, corporate brand identity personality that they created to sell more bake mixes in the 50s. It's like the KFC guy. The Colonel Seasons isn't real? I guess he was a guy who sold his identity to KFC. Yeah. That could be a, a Snopes story. But I'm, I'm glad that I am spe- uh, sitting with and speaking with the real authentic Justin. Justin. But, you know, I, I guess there's a, there's, a, it's a, there's a flip side to it, and it's that, you know, I get confused a lot for my brand. And so, you know, people um, think that I do everything and that I know everything and that I'm responsible for everything. And, uh, and I, can't, can't, I can't take credit for hardly anything, you know, because it's a team. It's all the people here that deserve all the credit. And I'm a part of that, sure. right? And so it's making sure that you know I acknowledge all the people who, who are responsible for what what we do here, and not just not just me. And also, when you're kind of a brand in a small town, you are never allowed to have a bad day. Yeah, <laughs> because I bet. people remember mm-hmm. you, and then they will talk of, and then they'll remember the brand. Yep, yep. Well, yeah, and it is such a small town, and such a hits on all these categories it's outdoorsy it's into good culinary it's good to or, into organic it's into everything because it's a face-to-face town yeah suppose if they see you on a bad day they're not they're not psyched to buy your brand well i've never seen on a bad day so that's helpful and we've spent a lot of time together including a six-day hot trip in the san juan <laughs> in the rain in the rain freezing rain um and yeah mud. let's let's delve into and that real quick we went on a was it six days Five and it was six, six because it took yeah. a day to get out there. And then it's the San Juan hut trips, point to point, self-supported with the strategic benefit of these well-stocked huts and a strategic trip in that I think there were six of us and four of quote us uh, have a culinary background, including one being a two being professional chefs for the most part. So with bomb shelter food, they would make the most exquisite breakfasts and dinners and then we'd eat nut butter and drink maple syrup throughout the ride. That was outstanding. Remember that one sandwich we had that, uh, egg. that ties into who we ended up partnering with? Uh, it's a meat product. comes in a can. Remind me. Spam? Yeah, dude. We had, we had grilled oh, Spam yeah, sandwiches. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was freaking delicious. That was the first time in my life I'd ever eaten Spam. Uh-huh. And, um, Those and, are exquisite. That was the most beautiful view. And what was ironic about it was this company... As as you know, and probably some listeners may not know, uh, was partnered with uh, Hormel Foods, who owns Spam, and in uh, this company partnered with them about three, maybe four years ago now. Has it been five, four or five years ago now? And 
And the reason was, you know, number one, I brought on a lot of investors because as you commented earlier, I didn't have any intellectual property protection, or anything. All I had was speed to market. I had to move fast and to move fast. I had to rely on other people's, you know, talent and expertise and knowledge and bring them on and bring on investors to, to hire these people and to grow the organization the right way. And then, so I brought in a lot of investors and then what happened, what really shook me to my core is we had a, um, a recall on, a, on our products. This is in 2009 mm-hmm. and, a, and a recall is, is, is terrifying because here you are making a food safe, you are making a food product supposed to nourish you and provide, you know, all this energy and protein and, and sustenance and nutrition, but this product could kill you. Yeah. And right now there's romaine lettuce out there, or it could be spinach, or it could be anything else. And and if someone gets sick or God forbid passes away from your food product, A, you have to live with that for the rest of your life. And B, insurance, nothing will protect you or cover it. Your business is gone. Sure. And so we had a recall, and it was because a company that we bought peanuts from was making peanut butter in New Mexico for Trader Joe's. Somebody got sick from salmonella. Five people got sick. The FDA comes in. They find out the peanut butter came from this one factory that we're buying peanuts from, and they say, okay, factory, uh, show us your logging records so we can trace you know, what batches we have to recall. And they said, I can't believe it, but they were like, yeah, we really weren't keeping track. We don't have – the FDA was just like, are you kidding me? Recall it all. Bring it all. Everything that's ever left this factory, peanut oh butter, God. dried nuts, bring it in. Yeah. And which included which involved some peanuts that we had bought from them. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, holy shit, what if? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we have product out there. And I didn't think we had any exposure, but we had product out there. We had to bring it in. Consumers are calling in. I feel sick. I don't feel right, good. Right. I, I ate your peanut, I ate your products. Okay, what did you eat? Well, I had almond butter, and now I've now I went to the hospital, and we're like, "Whoa, was there peanut butter?" No, no, I swear it yeah. was. And then all of a sudden, like you're in your own mind, and you're not sleeping. And um, and when it was all over, a million and a half dollars later, the um this the company's bankrupt, right? And and we so we had to absorb it. And I was I literally said to myself, "I can never allow this to happen again." And so we had the opportunity to find a food company who had extreme knowledge and expertise in food safety and food quality from Skippy who would not only pay up, pay back my investors, give us all the autonomy and freedom that we needed to grow the brand the way that we felt was right, which was deeply rooted in sustainability, organics, philanthropy, staying in Boulder, all those things. Uh, it just seemed like a, an opportunity I couldn't pass up. And so that was three, four years ago. And then that's kind of what introduced me to spam, which <laughs> brings us back to that hut in the San Juans. So much for being a vegetarian, although who knows what's in there. Yeah, I, I read the other day that Oreos are vegan. That's a curious fact. Uh, well, those non-hydrogenated <laughs> oils surely are not. Oh, that's just foul. Maple syrup is vegan. I'll just throw another maple syrup bit yeah, of trivia but, out there. But trees don't, don't trees have feelings? They I have mean, feelings, but they're, well... Okay, I can't protect that. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> what I love about maple syrup is it's almost naturally USD organic. You're 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 taking the sap from a tree in the middle of the forest in New England. Like it doesn't get any homier than that. No, it's I, just, I think it's it's pretty neat. It's, I I was reading an article about 
it was your take on how you're doing the initial pairings and how certain nuts pair better with certain flavors. Oh man, what was, do you remember the adjective you used to describe how peanuts don't pair as well with maple as almonds and, and yet the best yet is cashews Mm. with maple. I think you said it had like a, well, what happens is in my humble opinion is go as an almond pairs better with, with maple than a peanut because almonds have this, this really like dark, rich, nutty, robust flavor that can complement the maple, mm-hmm. you know, and pair well with it. Peanuts are so powerful that when you mix it with maple, you still just taste peanut. Yeah. So you have to keep adding more maple to kind of carry its weight with the peanut flavor. Now it's too mapley, it's too sweet. It might as well be a maple, you know, peanut butter pancake at that yeah. point. But the almond is so much more mild. And it just works so well with the maple. And what, what I love about the almond butter is almost like like drinking a fine wine, is you get the 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 nut flavor, the the almond flavor right on the the top of the tongue, but mm. then you get the maple finish mm-hmm. that comp- rounds out mm. the experience. Do you consider yourself a super taster? Because <laughs> I do not. I wish I had yeah, that ability. I don't I'm just know. like, yeah, I, I love good food, but then I just I love spam, man. I like I just like food. You know, I I've. I'm a good taster with the things that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. You know, I just can't start tasting things that I don't enjoy and get as excited about, you know, coming up with adjectives to describe it. You know what I mean? Earthy, piney, rich. <laughs> uh, totally with you. And and so we have our, our maple waffles. We are the first and only company to use exclusively maple syrup and maple sugar in our waffles. And then a lot of people are saying, to your point, you know, we... Uh, we're getting demand for putting nuts in it, like pear an almond in there, throw cashews, throw peanuts, whatever it is. Cool. Which sounds freaking delicious. However, the number of manufacturers of waffle, stroop waffles out there is few and far between. And it's the same problem you ran into, which is nobody really wants to touch the nuts, no pun intended, uh, as a result of cross-contamination. So we're, we're exploring a lot of the things that you've gone through over your time. Can we bring in a, our own packager, this, that, or the other? Um... So, okay, take a step back real quick. Staying on the topic of Spam, staying on the topic of Hormel, is that, I mean, talk to me about the difference between an institutional capital investment versus a strategic partner, of which Hormel seems to be much more the latter. They're, they're allowing you your autonomy. Yeah, you know, an institutional partner is looking for a return on their investment, and sometimes they're willing to do whatever it takes to yeah. get the biggest return on their investment. Did you have those folks knocking on your door too? Um, we, we actually did have an institutional private equity group invest in us because they had investments in Kind Bar, Pirates Booty, Pretzel Crisp, Vega, and they really knew how to scale brands in a meaningful way. And that's what I, those, that's, that's what I wanted to learn. So I partnered with them and they um, were tremendous. They're called VMG out of San Francisco, gave us tremendous tools to scale the business in a, like I said, a meaningful way. And then when we got to a point where we really needed a strategic partner to continue to grow the company in a safe, manageable way, they were, they were kind of hands off. They're like, you know, look, you know, we, we want you to find the right partner. So Justin and Justin's has a home and is happy because if you're happy and we make our investment, you know, this is the number we need to hit. As long as we hit the number, you know, we're, we're good. You know, we, we, we surpassed the number. The number wasn't the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem was finding the right partner. Yep. And so I wanted to find a partner where we could dictate our future. And so, um, and so they had, they were totally hands off. 
we, we went where we felt was the best place for us to have a permanent home, a forever home. And, um, but there's still risks to our business, right? The biggest risk to our business is we don't grow. And if our business doesn't grow the way we think that it should, because we're uh, still a really small niche natural foods brand and we think we have an opportunity to be a household name, that if we don't grow, Hormel has every opportunity to say, hey, look, you know, maybe you guys don't know what you're doing. Hmm. Maybe we should have a little more control over the way things are going here because you're not doing what you said you thought you would do. And so that risk is always there. And so for us, we need to grow. And and where I feel like, you know, if consumers decide one day that they don't want products that we're selling, they don't want, they want a, a you know, a more virtuitous nut butter brand and that's where everyone goes then and we're, we're too late to change that's where consumers could go or consumers could go the other way and say we want the cheapest yeah you know br- rock bottom product that we can get because money's tight yeah and so you know consumers really drive the conversation as to where brands go and uh we just hope we're we continue to show up for our consumer and they continue to show up for us do you have any idea the percentile breakdown of like the number of households you're in as compared to the big name brands it's funny i do but you i know? totally forget okay you know it's it's a you know we are you know probably less than five percent yeah which huh. does which i don't want to keep on harping back on maple syrup it's the same thing like the number of pure maple syrups that are on people's in people's kitchens is few and far between compared to Aunt Jemima, compared to Log Cabin, compared to Log Cabin Light. And I thought that was... Those, a, let me correct you. Those are called table syrups. Thank you. Those oh aren't Lord. even maple syrups. I, I get reamed every, by, my, by my partners every time I say that. <laughs> maple syrup is one thing. Let's, let's take a quick sidebar here. Maple syrup is one thing, which is a single ingredient. When you turn over your maple syrup jar or bottle, it says maple syrup. The other stuff is maple flavored syrup. That's right. Beginning with corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup, caramel color, flavors, maple flavor, yeah. natural flavors. Don't be duped by that, friends. And that is why if you take a can of Hershey's syrup, the kind of stuff that you know you, you put in a pot of boiling water and then pour over your vanilla ice cream and call it a uh, uh, make your own sundae, you look closely, it says Hershey's chocolate flavored syrup. They're not duping anybody, which is why the state of Vermont started a class action lawsuit against everybody in the big foods world who was using the term maple incorrectly. They weren't saying maple flavor. They were just saying maple this, maple that, maple Good. cereal. Yeah. Bernie Sanders taking people to court. Put them in headlocks. That was awesome. Give them nuggies. That's what I love about Vermont. <laughs> you got to come back to Vermont. The living out there is so nice because those are our problems. You flip open the newspaper and it's like cows on the loose. Watch out on route two. Yeah. You know, I, um, God, what is it? That's uh Northeast Kingdom. <laughs> the mountain trail, mountain biking. Uh no, no. I, I was thinking more like uh, you know, getting you know, Lyme disease and deer ticks. And... I'm not worried about that. Laura's worried about that. I've never been worried about Lyme disease in my life. I don't know why, and I'll probably jinx myself by saying that. There's Lyme disease in every state in America. I realize you hardly have any grass here, but you're an outdoorsy fellow. You're up in the trees in the woods. Like, do you worry about it here? No. Good. Don't worry about it there either. <laughs> <laughs> I worry about getting struck by lightning. Here? Yeah. What else do I worry about? I worry about Timmy Duggan taking me down something that will kill me. Yep. That's always a danger. Uh, <laughs> getting me lost. I worry about your, him getting me lost. What's on your skiing schedule in the next four days? You want to go skiing? 
Yeah, I man. forget how busy you said you were. Uh, we're kind of busy, but we got some time to go to Eldora. Sick. I got a six-year-old little girl who rips. Uh-huh. Right on. Oh, that'd be a blast. That's a blast. Um, let's continue on this random topic throwdown. E-bikes. What's your, th- what's your thought on e-bikes? Are you baiting I, me? I'm not baiting you for anything. I love e-bikes. I am completely with you. And I bring it up because one of... Eh, two years ago, we went biking together, and the only bike that you had a spare... F- you had a spare, and you went... You had your bike, and you lent it to your buddy, so your only spare was an e-bike. And we had a blast. I crushed it on that e-bike. You did put out some... <laughs> some watts. Some watts. <laughs> well, okay, let me tell you why. Approximately 50% of the number of watts that we put out, but that's not the point. We had a blast. Oh, oh, really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was not bait. I think e-bikes are sweet. So okay. So anyway, um, let let me let me back up. Talk, talk about the e-bike for a second. Mm-hmm. So we have a home in Netherland, which is a, um, it's like the paradise of you know I don't know. What. It's every Coloradan's dream. It's the perfect mountain town. Yeah, the the, the cultural center of our town, Netherland, is Ace Hardware. You uh-huh. know, that, that explains it all. Right? And it's quirky, the, it's weird. The carousel of happiness. Yeah, you know, the carousel is amazing. <laughs> and so anyway, there's all this, you know, open space and there's trails all over the place. And it's really, really easy to get lost and 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 to get spun around. And on top of all that, you're like 10,000 feet, uh-huh. right? And so what's amazing about the e-bike are two things. Number one, I can go out and I can explore trails that are game trails, that are dead-end trails, that are old mining roads. And I can really like figure out you know, what, what I'm doing. The second thing that's amazing is when I have friends and family that come and visit that aren't acclimated, that aren't strong cyclists that want to enjoy an activity with us in Colorado, I put them on an e-bike mm-hmm. and they have the time of their lives and they're, they're, you know, keeping pace with the group or they're beating the group. Mm-hmm. And it's all about being outside and having fun. And that's why I love it. Amen, brother. I think it's sweet. Um, you yourself again going back to your personal ties and ethos and things you like uh support interbike which is awesome you do you have in the past the outdoor dirt demo i mean and i think it was largely maybe maybe this is no longer the case it was largely because you just wanted to go out there and rip around on bikes for a couple of days I, I love cycling i think that you know i love activities that are low impact that get you out appreciating nature that you know that support health and wellness and, uh, and they really bring people together, you know, and, and Boulder in Colorado is really a great cycling culture, but it's the mountain bikers who, uh, who really take the time to stop and look at the vistas yep. who will, you know, sit their bike down and sit on a rock and, and eat lunch or an energy bar and not just try to pull it out of their, you know, their Jersey that's three sizes too small and, you know, <laughs> roll into oncoming traffic as they try to, you know, put right. it away. Cause but- they're racing the KOM. Yeah. <laughs> You know, turn off Strava for just a minute and mm-hmm. let's relax, you know, mm-hmm. but anyway, uh, we digress. And so I, uh, it's just such a great biking culture and it's, it's really, you know, I'm really glad to be a part of it. Well, it was through the bike that we first met. It's been a pleasure getting to know you. I'm excited for our weekend shenanigans. I'm excited for dinner tonight. Um, unless you've got anything else, Justin, Ow! thank you very much for your time. Go to untapped.com. Dot CC untap.cc I'm, I'm sorry excuse me it's a true story untap.cc untap.com which you're welcome to go visit also i think is a uh, it used to be an outdoor i mean not an outdoor it used to be an energy drink company in that tall hyper caffeinated uh you know the category i'm All talking right. about google ted king 
go try Untapped, <laughs> get some waffles, and then put some Justin's yes maple almond butter on top of the waffle and go on a long ride and have fun. Real food, feeling real fun. Thanks, Ted. Thank you, Justin. 